like I said, it's the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Please share because it need to get out. Some things just got to be said. Um, so what I want to say is one thing that I've noticed over and over and over that uh, has become consistent. And we had this whole conversation last night and um, at the Dream Center. We had this conversation about um, what we need to do as a community, what we need to do as aspiring business owners, what we need to do as people who are just trying to get out of the matrix and actually uh, produce wealth for ourselves. And I know it's not common or it's not normal for me to come on in the middle of the day and start talking about wealth, right? Or start talking about building it. But I think that it's probably a good time so that you can have all the way throughout the day to talk about this. One thing that I noticed that we're doing continuously over and over and over is we are not removing one of the three principles um, that's going to stop the wealth division gap. So what the wealth division gap is, is the difference between the wealthy people and how they actually treat money, financing, and investing versus people who are not, versus people who are designed and set up to be poor. So one of the words that I want you guys to drop before we get into this, because it's really serious, it's the word, and I don't, I don't you know, I know we, it's a word, it's out, people like the word, it's that word gentrification, right? Now, people would say, hey, gentrification is uh, people coming into our communities, they bind up the properties at a really high rate, and they make it to where it's not affordable for the poor people to live, and forcing them out, making the property value go up so that we can force them out into somewhere else. The reality is, if you go into any subdivision, and phase one in that subdivision, and you buy a brand new house, what you're going to start seeing is, that house might start out as $200,000, right? But phase two might start out as $250,000, then phase three might go to $300,000. The reality behind that is when the banks are lending money in a certain zip code in a certain area, the value is going to start going up in that zip code in that area. So when grandma and them pay off that 70-year house um, twice, and when that neighborhood starts to get old, the banks aren't currently lending in that area. So being that the banks are not lending in that area, it's not called gentrification because the value is dropping. It's just that the banks are not lending there. So when the banks are lending there, it's, it's an interest, right? It's just like the music industry. And I talked about this on another live, but for the people who are just tuning in, continue to share. Continue to share, continue to share, right? Um, uh, just like the music industry, when there's an artist out there that jumps out there and starts to show that he can make music on his own and actually make sales, it's not the fact that they care about how good his music sounds. It's the fact that he's considered an influencer and people would buy. So that that's when the record labels come in and say, I need to know how can I get some of that money. So banks do the same thing when you start selling houses in a certain community. When those houses are getting sold in that community, what starts to happen is, um, they start to say, hey, let, let's outlend each other. That's why all the banks start getting in, and they'll give top dollar for those areas, and the prices in those areas start to uh, go up. Don't matter what color you are. don't matter any of that. I see a lot of people start saying, man, you know, you know, if a bunch of people our color start investing there, the value going to drop. I mean, you know, they got certain redlining rules of, of, as far as what they can lend and all of that um, to make sure that they're not redlining. Um if they're getting away with it, that's something I'm not investigating or anything like that. But the reality is stop using the word gentrification and start using the word, um, yeah, banks lend in any area if you qualify. Start thinking about it from this concept. If you actually took 
and you kept the risk on the bank. And this is a touchy subject, but I touched on it in, uh, at the Dream Center last night. If you kept the risk on the bank, right, then the bank will take the risk, and the bank is going to always protect the asset. Am I lying? No. The reason why I know this is because anytime that we've had a financial crisis where everything went wrong and the market crashed, who is the first person to get bailed out? You? No. You're never going to get bailed out. The bank is going to get bailed out, right? And I see a lot of people, you know, y'all tuning in because I probably thought I was going to talk about something else. But the reality is you need to stick around and watch this and you need to continue to share this video because if the bank, think about Black Wall Street, think about Tulsa 1921. The banks wouldn't lend money, right? They didn't have money to lend to them, right? They had everything with cash. What happened with that is when it got burned down, nothing was secured, right? So anything that's secured is yours. So we could say, well, I own it. I own it outright. You don't own anything that's not secured. Go out and buy a million-dollar house that, that isn't secured and burn it down and watch how much money you have. Spend cash on a million-dollar house, pay it off, Burn it down and see how much money you're going to have. Zero, unless it's secured. So when with, what they did in Tulsa is they spent everything cash. They had all of these hospitals. They had all of that. They left out one key ingredient that we have access to that they didn't have access to. The risk wasn't on the bank. Do you think that if the risk was on the bank in Tulsa, that they would have let everybody come through and burn it down? Probably not, because if they would have, the banks would have took the risk. So now think about grandma and them that's letting, that's, that's letting these 60-year-old neighborhoods go old and they pay it off and they say, oh, I got a deed, right? A deed means nothing when you don't control the market. Think about this. You pay off a $200,000 house. We go crazy. The market crash. The value of the house dropped to $100,000. Guess who got a deed in their hand, but guess who just lost $100,000 because they was dependent on a deed. Right. So what you have to do in that standpoint or, that, you know, in that situation is I don't care if you pay that house off and it's 250. Right. Get that money out. Keep the asset, you know, keep the risk on the bank. You can now take that 250 and invest it, do something with it. Right. Because now the question is, well, what if it go up to 300? Guess who just created another fifty thousand dollar cushion? They can take that off in a refinance. But what if you get that $250,000 out on refinance and the value drops to 100? Guess who already got their money out? You got your money out. The risk is on the bank. So in the event that something happens on that property later on, you already know wrung out the assets of it. You're keeping that to start investing and, you know, reallocating those funds towards something else that can bring a residual in higher than what you got to pay out. Now, the thing is, is nobody going to tell you this because we caught up on gentrification. We caught up on that word instead of caught up on where the bank is lending money at at a higher level. You got 100 houses that sold in the subdivision. Banks are going to compete to give loans for that, right? Yes, I understand people come in and they pay a little higher for certain things downtown to try to drive the value up. But if they're not selling they're not going to be able to get loans for that. Yes, people could come in and cash buy all day, but when you cash buy, you're running a bigger risk. That's like I always ask you guys. If you're holding your child, which is something, you know, you nurtured it, you own it, you spent time nurturing that child, right? And you're holding a liability, somebody that can risk, you know, seeing you, come back to hunt you, come back to bite you or whatever. Off a cliff, and you can only save one, who are you going to save? 99.99% of the people going to say their child. And the reason why is because they nurtured that child. They own that child. I don't know about ownership. You can't really say that these days. But that's their child. They groom. 
You do the same thing with your cash. So you don't want to throw that cash back into that investment pot yet. You always want to keep an investment risk on the bank so that if the bank actually, if something happens and the market crashes, the bank will get bailed out. You just won't. Now think about it from this standpoint. If you go out and get a $75,000 loan because your credit was good and things like that to fund your business and all of that, right? Now, the reality is, yes, pay your bills, try to pay your bills or whatever. Life can happen. I mean, life happened to me and my business plenty of times, right? Life that came down where boom, you know, it, it, it blows up. But if that does happen, guess what? If you have loans out there, um, give me one second. Hey, I'm going to give you a call right back, okay? Yes. Yes, I left you a message. You're returning my call, right? Yes, I'm gonna give you. A, yeah, I'm gonna give you a call right back. All right, thank you. Yep. Bye. Sorry about that. That's the State Bar of Georgia I was talking to. Um, but so the thing is, is um, I was kind of got sidetracked. Somebody. So so are you saying every time that you get equity in a house to take it out and invest it into something, making you money? Yes, that's the goal. So anytime you get equity in a house, right? Take, not, I mean, just ten, fifteen thousand dollars like that. Don't just start snatching that out. Well, this is like for the people who are paying houses off. So if you're paying houses off and you got a deed in your hand and that deed doesn't hold any cash value, right? You need to go ahead and keep putting that risk back on the bank. Think about it from this standpoint. Values wouldn't drop in these communities if every time before they paid the house off, they keep refinancing, right? The reason why is because a refinance, people looking at it like, oh, they just give it. No, it means another bank is actually coming in there buying that property. They loaning on that property. That means that another house sold in that zip code, right? So people don't look at that. People don't people forget that a refinance is an actual home sale. That means a home just sold in that zip code. If everybody is on pace with refinancing on, on, on target, the values don't drop like that because the bank has an interest there because they steady loaning money currently. When a bank go 20 years in a community without loaning anything, it has no interest there. That means that they really not going to pay attention and the value is going to start dropping there. Think about it, the value goes up based on the bank being able to make money off the property, right? Yes, you got investors, you got people that's going to come in there and buy up the property, investment groups and things like that. But most investment groups don't really dictate how the actual market is going to go. The banks is going to dictate that, right? That's how prime rate is driven. So now think about the prime rate is actually driven based on credit scores being right. That's the reality. But I want to kind of get into what I was talking about, though. If you have $75,000 in cash, right, and you messed that loan up because the business just didn't go right. Now, nobody's going to come back and say, hey, buddy, you know, we understand, man, bad business decision. Here goes $50,000 back. You just lost twenty five. I know if somebody actually paid me seventy five thousand for a building and they're gonna run a business there and, they, and it goes under, I'm not gonna give them fifty back, and then nobody will in cash. But if life happens, of course, try to pay everything. But if life does happen, you have a good chance of settling that loan that you have for that business, right? You have a good chance of settling that loan for that business 
at a lower rate, 50%, 33%, 25%. What if they come back and say, basically what they're saying is, I got $25,000 that I can give you to sell this loan out of $75,000 because the business went on or because life happened or whatever, right? That's basically that same $50,000 that you didn't get of your cash money that you had. You're basically saving that. You're basically keeping that. So people say, well, that's crazy. Why in the world? What I, especially people with LLCs, especially people because LLCs, you pay 15.3% self-employment tax, right? That means that every $100 you make with a, a, a LLC with that self-employment tax, you're losing $15.30 for every $100 you make. That means that you're saving at a 15.3% rate. Crazy, huh? If you're working a job, you're saving at that same rate because that's where Medicaid and that's where Social Security gets taken out, and then you got federal and then you got state. So you're saving at a 22 to 25% interest rate, but you're scared to go and get a 12% interest rate loan from a bank. So the, let's, let's do the math here. $100,000 loan from the bank with a 12% interest rate, you run a business or have an investment into some kind of business with a 30% return. Now you're profiting, right? Let's break it down and doing it the other way. Let's save that $100,000 that I'm already saving at a 15% interest rate plus federal plus state, right? Now you see where I'm going. You already, there's no way to save without paying interest. So you're saving with an interest rate. It's just not called interest. It's called Social Security and it's called Medicaid, right? So you got to make sure, well, plus federal plus state in your business. So you got to make sure that when you do, you keep the risk on the bank. Therefore, you can always pay the bank off, get more from the bank, pay the bank off, get more from the bank, turn the profits, keep the profits, stack the profits, stack them back for your kids and all of that, right? But let me tell you, never, ever, ever spend money, cash money on anything that can't turn any profit, right? Now, let me tell you, you would spend credit card points, the money you get from there to buy clothes, right? So if I wanted to go get this polo shirt, I shop at the outlet, I'm really cheap, right? So if I wanted to go get the polo shirt for $12, $15, I'm going to try to get points from the, my credit cards. I'm going to try to get something that I return to profit and use that. That's a won't. Now, the only clothes that I would buy with my cash is T-shirts, Reach 1000 shirts, a branded T-shirts that I can sell. I will buy a T-shirt machine. I will buy something like that with cash. So use cash to buy T-shirts that you can sell. Use cash to buy T-shirt machines that you can make the T-shirts to sell, but don't use cash to buy T-shirts to wear. You use cash to buy T-shirts to sell to turn a profit, and that profit is going to buy the T-shirt that you want to wear. Therefore, you're not working to actually do something to pay for something. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the wealth division gap and what I was talking about, wealthy people do not value money the way that they value time. If time, if money was more important than time, your CEO would not be spending his money to buy your time. So you got to stop spending your time to get his money. Because think about this. If I paid you, and I talk about it all the time, if I gave you $100 an hour, don't worry about taxes, right? If I paid you $100 an hour, continue to share this video and say I share it. Um, and press one if y'all with me or if this good info. If I gave you $100 an hour and you worked for one hour, take taxes out of it. How much money did you make? Everybody going to say, well, $100. The reality is you made zero. You traded $100 worth of time for $100 in cash. But then you turned around and spent that $100 in cash on a bill. So that means that you just paid for it twice. That means that you paid $100 worth of time then got $100 worth of cash, and then spent that $100 worth of cash on that. 
So now that means that you spent your money, I mean, your time and your money on it. So now let's start talking about $1,000. Now you just get a trade of $1,000 worth of time to get $1,000 worth of cash to go buy a $1,000 house per month. But then in that $1,000 house per month, you got to risk your credit. Now the Wealth Division gap says you got to drop two of those three. That means that you can only have one in there. Now, if everybody says, hey, I can go to work and have my dream life and all I got to do is go to work, forget money, I can just order stuff on demand. Everybody will take it because now you 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 got rid of the need for money. Or, hey, if I ain't got to trade time and I can just get money to do it, everybody's okay with that. So the thing is, is let's find a way of how we're going to get rid of two, right? And the reason why I know time is more important than money, and I say this in every single class, because if I tell you, hey, if I give you no trick, if I give you a $3 million right now, would you take it? Yes or no? Everybody's going to say yes. And then, I'm, then I say, hey, wait, but you got to die like right now. Don't pass, go, don't collect $200. You got to die like now, like right now, now, now. So the thing is, they're going to say no, right? But the problem is, is when they say no, they're going to say, well, and then I say, well, why? Uh, you know, what about a billion? No. What about two billion? No. I got to die right now? Yes, you got to die right now. And then they're going to say, well, no. And I say, well, why? Because I want to live. That means that you just personally told me that no amount of money in the world is more important than the time you got left. But then guess what most people do? They're going to take that time they got left to go chase some more money. You just had the money. You said you didn't want it. You said you wanted time. But if you don't want time, if you're going to use that time to go continue to chase money, you might as well take the money and die right now. Because that's not what life about. Life is about chasing happiness. And you got to buy time and you got to buy you know, actually building wealth is buying time. Building wealth is not using time to get money. Building wealth is using credit to buy, to get earned money through residual to buy time and to buy happiness. Every, if everybody had the chance to wake up, take their kids to a beach, take their kids on vacation, get them a tutor and just travel the world a whole life without having to worry about working for it and having money for it, it's not a person on here to say, no, nah, I'm, I'm gonna rock with this, this work thing. I, you know, I'm gonna ride this work thing out. I don't think nobody's gonna really say that. So the thing is, is we gotta actually get on top of the wealth, the wealth division gap and stop, instead of stop being on the bottom of it. So now, Think about this. If you use your credit, you can actually get an asset. It's not a liability until you start spending cash on it. So now if you use credit to buy something that can turn you a profit, take that profit, and then that profit can fund your lifestyle, you're no longer below that wealth division gap because if you do get fired from your job, your time isn't dependent on your lifestyle at that point. Simple math. Let's say you get a car. You got good credit, you get a car, you get a 1% interest rate, good, nice car, just say you get a 20, whatever, um, 2019 or 2018 BMW 350 or something like that for like 35 grand, 700 a month or something like that with good credit or whatever. Just say it's 700 a month. And you got, you know a lot of people with bad credit don't want to rent that. You rent it out on Turo, T-U-R-O, it's an app, right? Now you gonna make about you can if you do it the right way and put it all around a city. This only works if you're in a big city though, when people um, are gonna need to fly in and rent cars. And the benefit of Turo is you don't need a major credit card and you don't need full coverage insurance. So the people who can't go and actually get a car from Avis Budget Enterprise and all of that will be renting your cars all day. Benefit of that is you're paying seven hundred dollars a month, probably plus a hundred insurance, eight hundred dollars a month, getting about sixteen, seventeen hundred back. Now you just double the value or double the money from the asset that you have. It's an asset because you haven't came out of pocket yet. You're gonna take that and either buy another one, or you're gonna take that 
and you're going to put it towards those payments. So now, either way you do it, you're walking on top of the wealth division gap. Because guess what? Once you start putting the rest of those payments towards that principal, now what you're going to do is you're going to take a car that's two years old, that's paid off because you took everything towards that. You had a $35,000, $36,000 car. Two years later, it's worth seventeen. You didn't put a dime into it. Everybody else paid it off for you. You spent, you, you went and sold it for seventeen grand, and you walked away with $17,000 that you could put into an investment property. Or you could put back into another car and then start your fleet slowly. Or you can take that eight, extra $800 profit and get another car and turn it into $1,600 profit. And then now all of a sudden you get a house and put that on Airbnb because now you use credit. You're not working for it. You're not waiting on a check to get it. You took that $1,600, got a house, put that on Airbnb. That $1,600 got you $3,000 back in a year. I mean, every month. So now you're walking on $3,000. So you got to create those pockets of little small streams and take those streams to start putting places that's going to bring you back more money. And that's when you have those residuals that's going to take you out of the need of working. Because now when they come in and say, hey, well, buddy, the government shut down or, hey, well, buddy, we got to lay y'all off. You can say, well, hey, good job. Now I can work on my business. Now I can do what I got to do. Now I can take that flight to China and just buy all these shirts and these laptops and all of this stuff, pads and bulk and to become a reseller. Let me start my lash business. Let me start my hair business, right? Because now I got residuals coming in. Did you know that 73% of people did a poll, um, and that's and just in this state. I don't know about the universal poll, but set, well, this in this area, metro area, 73% of the people that they polled said that they're living in an area that they don't want to be in, which means that they're working a job to be around people that they don't want to be around, to get a check, to pay for a place they don't want to pay, to be around people they don't want to be around. So that means that you got a bunch of people out here depressed and they don't want to leave that lifestyle because they're scared of people saying, oh my God, they hit a bad, they hit a rough patch, they did this, they did that. I mean, it happens, right? I mean, life happens. Life happens to everybody. So the thing is, is you want to protect yourself and you want to make sure that you're moving at least two of those from the wealth division gap. So now I hope this was helpful, but let me tell you uh, one of the other things that you could possibly do as well. Now, people who haven't quite worked on their credit and haven't quite gotten to where they needed to be, now they have to kind of either pay for it or they got to go through it. They got to invest in their credit or they're going to have to invest somewhere else. What I noticed, though, is people are co-signing for people. Um, and I can tell you a co-signing story. It, it, it's hilarious. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I co-sign for people. I got co-sign for people that didn't pay what they're supposed to. And I co-sign for people who didn't pay for what they were supposed to. And I had judgments behind it. And, you know, I had somebody put me on blast about having the judgment behind people that I co-signed and my name on it. I mean, it, so it happens, right? So I'm telling you this to not ever co-sign for anybody because, you know, they know that I repair credit and they still don't pay it. So, I mean, you got to make sure that if you do have a person, what you're going to do, and I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you a way to make some money right now. Never co-sign for somebody, but get the car. Now, think about this. You have a 500 and your, your spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever, um, has bad credit. Let's say you got the 750, they got the 500, right? You go in there and you say, well, how much would my payment be with the highest rate y'all got? Because you know CarMax and all of them, they're going to walk around with a Santana loan with about 25% interest rate, right? But you're going to walk in there and probably get a 2 to 3% interest rate. What you're going to do is you're going to calculate the difference in that. You're going to say, all right, I'm going to get this car for you. 
but you're paying me what you would have paid if you'd have got approved. Now, if they don't get approved, what they're gonna do is they're gonna pay you the difference, right? So now if you got $400 a month that you're paying, but day payment would have been 630 a month, they're gonna pay you that 630 a month while you paying 400 a month. You're making $230 every single month of their payment, and then the thing about it is the life cycle of them paying it might be about two years, right? Because then you know how people get after two years. I don't want to pay for it no more. Benefit of that is you got $2,400 extra. Your interest rate wasn't high, so that means that you're not upside down on that car. So now if you have to trade it in, you already got that cushion that's been met right there. So you want to make sure that if, instead of cosigning, put it in your name because you don't want it to be well, if they miss a payment, they mess both y'all credit up. So you just only want to mess one person's up, right? And, you know, because you don't want to co-sign for somebody that all of a sudden they file for bankruptcy just going to take their liability from being collectible away and now it's all on you. Telling you this because we see it a lot with our clients. We see it all the time. So you want to make sure that we talk about the wealth division gap and you want to stay on top of it. And the way that you're going to do that is you got a bike club. You got a car club. We know about car clubs. We know about bike clubs. We know about book clubs, but we don't have enough credit clubs. What I need you guys to do, I got enough videos that I put out. You follow me. I'm, I'm literally um, created a group today called the Credit Club, and we're going to be having credit club classes, and you know, we're going to try to get people from certain communities joining that, right? So that's literally what I got planned. We're going to create credit clubs, and you're going to join one. We're going to have classes on there. You know, it might be once a week, might be once a month, whatever we can do it, right? Good thing about it is it's going to be tutorials. It's going to be stuff on there that you can actually go through because think about this. If you create a credit club in your community, y'all sit down at Starbucks on Wednesdays or Saturdays and work on each other's credit for 10 people, now you just shifted a whole dynamic. You shifted the whole uh, community because now you got 10 people that's going to get funded at $40,000 because all of y'all in a credit club. So instead of, and there's nothing wrong with book clubs, right? But you got a book club that all y'all read and y'all in these mentorship groups and all of this and y'all getting books and that's cool. Books as well. Knowledge is power. But credit club will probably do you the same because now you can take that same $40,000 that all of y'all know how to get y'all credit fixed and then now all of a sudden y'all got $400,000 to go and invest in something. Y'all got $400,000 to start putting houses in communities. Y'all got $400,000 to put a skating rink, to put a bowling alley, to put stuff in the community that's going to bring money back. Y'all going to hire y'all kids to run the cashier. Therefore, you're not paying outside. So the 10 people that invest are hiring their kids. The paychecks that the kids get is coming back into the household. So it's not external money going out. Overhead stays low. And that's how you start building wealth. And it's, not, it's no different between, ex, you know, foreigners, when they come in, they don't really hire too many people that's not, where they from right um so i'm not gonna say like a specific one but the thing is, is that wealth division gap has to be closed by us because we can control that by creating credit clubs it's free it's information hey you know what we're gonna do that this week is we're gonna all get secure credit cards here's our scores this is how we pull it this is what we're gonna do so that group that i'm putting out about the credit club is gonna be there you're probably gonna see a lot of fake fake ones pop up because people do that when i say stuff but the one that i'm gonna do we're gonna have modules you'll be able to actually go through and say man that's crazy we you know i need a secure card this week all right we need to work on disputes this week oh we go through here to pull our credit report this is how we dispute this is what cushman versus transunion is oh it says the bureaus have a responsibility to go above and beyond the regular investigation which means that cushman versus transunion had a punitive damages of three hundred and fifty thousand dollars because now you can actually quote case citation in there this is not legal advice what i'm saying is the case 
citation is right there under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. It's there, and, and you know they use that. They leverage it. You got laws that protect you. You got over 300 pieces of criteria that anybody's reporting anything on your credit file has to adhere to when reporting anything. So the thing about it is you need to create those credit clubs so that all 10 of y'all can go get $400,000 or $40,000 or $30,000. It's going to be $300,000, right? So it just takes one. We, we got to stop being the one that's getting that $40,000 loan that we got to work for. Then we got to actually pay for, and then it's not an asset. It's a liability at that point. So that we can go stunt. We got a BMW. We can go stunt. But the people, you know, that's really stunting is the 20 people that got together and got that BMW dealership, right? Because now they sold you that BMW. You got to go in and then get serviced every week. Those are the people who are really stunting. So you got to actually be at top of what the top of the wealth uh, division gap by creating those credit clubs, right? You started out, boom, you got your 10 people in a credit club. Can you imagine how quick that'll grow? Once people, see, people don't jump on it. A lot of people say, but people don't support me. Like, that's because you just started your business, right? People want to see that you actually gain traction and you are doing what you say you're going to do. Then they're going to back you. So what's going to happen with all 10 of you guys in that credit club that they thought y'all was weirdos buy that Starbucks or buy that Zaxby's or buy that you know, whatever kind of business y'all buy. They're going to say, man, I want to be down, right? Because you got residuals coming in. Now that 10 going to go out and get their 10, right? So now you expanding exponentially at that point. So now, boom, you got 100 people in the credit club. That's 10 people getting 10 people, which means that now there's 10 more businesses in the communities. Those 10 are going to do the same thing. Now, I have nothing against MLMs. There's some amazing multi-level marketing companies out there to do certain things. I see some dope travel ones out there. Um, but the thing is, is what if we use that concept from an investment standpoint? What if we recruited people for a credit club that we could invest, have our own money into something, and we could buy it outright, own it in the community? Remember when Starbucks said, y'all can't sit here? What if somebody were right, right across the street would have put a coffee shop that says everyone is welcome? I guarantee you they probably would have took over that Starbucks that was right across the street. So the thing is, is instead of marching when somebody passes or if when a cop kills somebody instead of looting, we can actually control the mayor. We can tell the mayor what we want him to do. We can do whatever, right? Because now the mayor has to listen to people who owns 15 businesses in the community because now the vote and the commissioners and everybody has to do what y'all say do because you could threaten to take all those jobs away. And if you take those jobs away, the community is going to take a hit. I'm from a community with one factory went away and it killed the community, right? Swainsboro. You can look at that. So now if you want to take control, it's bigger than just finances, right? You can start that credit club. You can start investing in stuff and you can expand those investments. Now you control the mayor. Now you can control everybody in that community and you grow that, you grow that way. I'm not telling you anything that I haven't tried or I haven't seen people try, but the thing is, is we got to make sure that we do it with real estate. We got to make sure that we do it. Like Donna says, you know, um, we need to do this now with real estate. Everybody making returns. You got to. It's so many investments that you can make out here that it's crazy. We're in a global economy right now where you can start a last place, you can start a hair business, and you don't have to touch anything. You can start a t-shirt company, and you don't have to touch anything. You can hire a person overseas to run your whole operation on the phone, take orders, run your whole system, $5 an hour, and things like that, until you can start uh, creating a big enough flow or a big enough profit margins to put management in place here in the U.S. So the thing is, is you you got to create a way that you can do that without working for it. Now, if I ask the average person, how long would it take you at living the way that you live now? How long would it take you to actually save $100,000? Some people may never, ever, ever save that to where it's in their bank in a lifetime. 
some people now don't even have an investment option or plan put in place to actually create a hundred thousand dollars to sit in the bank right so the thing is is those are the people that need you those are the people that need you to lead stop being the one that's gonna sit back and let everybody else do it you're here because you want to learn you are here because you actually have a passion of helping others go I'm not asking you guys to pay me for this I'm giving it to you guys out of the kindness of my heart right giving it because I love you guys and I want you guys to give that back to your same community because energy is gonna feed energy and when the ball of energy starts growing it only gets bigger right when that starts get bigger you want that to get bigger you don't want negativity to get bigger right you got to block that out so you got to start investing with the bank's money keep the risk on them anytime it's paying off keep the risk on them in the event that life happens the market crashes because remember if you start a business in that market crash everything goes away and all these jobs start closing down ain't nobody gonna come in your place and start buying stuff you want the risk on the bank in, in that event instead of actually losing everything that you worked hard for and losing every dime and in the event that you can't start you know pay that um you screwed and the reason why i say start a credit club think about this you get 10 people and they go in there and say we're gonna all get together and get a zaxby's the moment you miss a payment that, that you won't have that zaxby's anymore but if they all cash out and get thirty, forty thousand dollars, they're getting the money from the bank. The risk is there, but they're taking cash, right? Piling that, starting the business. Therefore, now if one of them is a payment, the business ain't gonna take a hit. You see what I'm saying? They might take a little credit hit or something like that. But you want to make sure that that's included in when y'all make that investment to whatever coming in um, is good enough to make sure that those payments are made back to the bank on those personal accounts and take the rest as profit. And like I said, once you start hiring your kids and stuff up front first, now you got more money coming back into the household. You got a 16-year-old kid working. That's a person in the house you ain't got to take care of, right? And that money coming back into the house. You charge them rent. You can do whatever, right? Um, I can't tell you how to parent. But you got to start group, group, uh, group economics from this way instead of trying to save it and save it and save it because some people just will never be able to save. Walmart operates off of credit. They fill the aisles with Charmin, Gatorade, um, Tide, everything that you could think of. They don't own. Walmart don't own Gatorade. They don't own anything in there. They got high credit lines. They get a bunch of them in bulk at wholesale rate, high credit lines, right? You go in there, you spend your cash. They take the difference, pay the loan off, and then they pay their people what they pay them, and they're the biggest retailer. Everybody say Amazon, but when you start calculating all of the Wal Waltons or, or the little Walmart people, uh, <laughs> what they network is, it's, way, it's more than Bezos, right? Because they compare like five Walmart people that's multi-multi-billionaires to 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 you know to Bezos, so um, and he basically do the same thing. He don't own anything, you know. Uber they don't own they don't own anything. They don't they don't have cars that they own. They got cars that they get on credit and they let you get on credit at a higher rate, and then you work for them and they get some of the drop off money. See how they use credit to build wealth? That's all Uber doing. Like them cars that Uber letting you drive and and, and get financed through them. They doing the same thing with credit. So. You know, yes, never sacrifice the liquid assets. The liquid assets is kind of like the game, the trophies, the something that you keep, right? Now, you know, and if I'm, I'm at a point where if I got cash sitting in the bank and if I don't have enough residual or profit coming in, something might not get paid. And I know that don't sound right, but the thing is, is because now if I start getting in the habit where I'm going to pull from the cash that I save, my kids, I'm robbing them. I'm robbing them, I'm robbing them, I'm robbing them. And that means that I'm going to have to grind harder to make sure that those residuals coming in is going to be able to fund the lifestyle.
That's why I've been getting away without having to go work for somebody. And there's nothing wrong with working for somebody. Just learn what you're working for. You can work a nine to five and still have a business on the side, making more in that business on the side than you're doing on your nine to five. You know, so the thing is, is you want to make sure that you stay on top of that wealth division gap. Stop trading your time for money unless there's a growth plan in place for you. So I'll take a couple questions and, um, you know, I'll, I hope this was helpful. If this was helpful information, say, hey, it was good info. Um, if you have a question, say, hey, can you answer this? Um, I just wanted to come through during the day to tell you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, and I wanted you to share it because it need to get out because I think this had to be said. So continue to share this video um, because I want to make sure that you guys continue to get this info. Um, so if it was good info, say, Hey, good info. Um, cause I, you know, I need to know what I need to work on. Right. Uh, I message you. Is there another way to get in contact? Yes. My phone number, uh, please don't spam me to death or don't message me. Some people be messaging me at like two o'clock in the morning. If you want to text me for like credit consultation or just a business consultation, like I'm starting a business mentorship program where I'm going to come in. If you want to start, I'm going to help you start up. Like, you know, I, I got to go meet somebody in the credit repair industry and go out and revamp their whole business, go through their SOPs, help them automate everything, and then put the right team in place, even if they got to hire overseas until they start turning a bigger profit. I'm doing that in other businesses as well. I'm actually mentoring this girl who started the hair business that we're doing that. So I'm um, not trying to talk about the mentorship. I'm just saying that if you have questions, I'm not just restricted to credit. So text me at 678-961-0086. Six seven eight nine six one zero zero eight six, and what you can do with that is, you know, just ask me one or two questions because three questions on up um, becomes a consultation. So don't say, "Hey, I'm bougie" or something because I start sending you a link because I do have a business to run. But I want to make sure that y'all win, and I, I promise you, it's not that I be docking y'all. I love y'all to death. I just want to make sure that you get, uh, you know, I, I had a pretty uh, rough. Not really rough. It's just that, you know, I was told by my bishop that when you under attack or when somebody's trying to take from you, to give. So I'm coming to give. Anytime somebody tries to take something from me, I'm going to bless you guys. I'm going to give, right? Because giving is the way to circumvent, not circumvent, to combat what's trying to be taken from you. So um, love you guys for always tuning in. Thank you, thank you, thank you for always sharing. Once again, my number, if you want to text me a question, I know I might can get to you, I might can't. It's 678-961-0086. If you want a consultation on getting your credit looked at, that's fine too. Um, but I got videos showing you how you can do it yourself. And be on the lookout for my credit club group. That way we can start getting these credit clubs built out in these areas. We got locations for people who need professional help because some people work nine to five. Some people got their business and don't have time. We, those are our ideal clients, right? But some people have the time to do it themselves. And that's what we, you know, we recommend that if you have time to learn how to do it yourself. So, um, and we got partners around like lots of different areas in the U S so you might be linked to somebody, you know, in your area that can help you actually get a credit club in that area. So, um, hopefully it was helpful, man. Thank you guys for always having my back. Um, thank you guys for, you know, keeping my energy up. I love you guys. I'm forever, forever, forever indebted to you guys for always having my back. You just don't know what that means to me. So love you guys. I'll see you guys. I might come back tonight and, um, do something. This is the first time I did it throughout the day. So, all right. If you need something, I'm one text message away. 